Well, hello, 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 Miami Dolphins fans. Adam Beasley here. Uh, the voice you're hearing is me, not I'm Matt Infante. This week I am joined special guest host, David Behrman. He is the chief content officer of Pro Football Network. We are taping this on a Wednesday this week because of the Dolphins rearranged schedule. And apparently Infante is too cool for us, right? He is unavailable this week. So we went to the bullpen and we called in. You are right here or Southpaw. Uh, believe it or not, I'm both. I'm ambidextrous. Or as as written once in a Seattle paper, amphibious. No, I am uh, I am ambidextrous. And the funny thing is we had basketball practice. First basketball practice for my nine-year-old last night. Always done baseball, always done football, never done basketball. When I asked him which lefty or righty, he's a lefty all over the place, golf, baseball, whatever. He started dribbling with both hands. I'm like, yep, that was my problem. Didn't know if I was left yeah, or right. At the same time? I mean, that's... Uh... Nah, I was alternating back and forth. And, like, they want to do layup drills. Are you, are you lefty or are you righty? He's like, both? Anyhow. All right. Well, I am sure the uh, thousands of people tuning in uh, do not want to hear about our personal lives. They want no, to hear no, no. death, destruction, anger, angst, catastrophe. Ugh. Insert adjective here of how the Week 14 game against Tennessee Titans ended. David, uh, I've been covering a team since 2008 on a part-time basis, 2012 on a full-time basis, and that is one of the worst losses I can remember. Just the confluence of crap, uh, what was on the line, clear path to the one seed, the opponent, the Titans stink, rookie quarterback, absolutely cooked the number one defense in the National Football League since week eight. Um, Really, 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 really bad. What were your initial thoughts? And now that you've had a couple of nights to sleep on it, what are your updated thoughts on what happened? Yeah, that I don't think any script writer in America or any pronosticator in America, better or not, could have predicted that that's how that game was going to go from the very first play to the very last play. Uh, nothing really added up. Dolphin offense was absolutely awful. Didn't really score other than two short drives. Uh, Tennessee didn't play the way they played. There were a lot of injuries. And then, then the fourth quarter was just epic meltdowns on both sides to the point where we were discussing in the content chats, how we were going to cover the game outside of, of what you do with covering the dolphins. And we're like, oh, Tennessee meltdown causes, you know, allows dolphins to win. Let's talk about Mike Brabrill. Is he on the hot seat and Titans seasons over yada, yada, yada to, I don't know. It felt like 45 seconds later, we were saying dolphins meltdown, Tennessee's, you know, variable saved his job and Adam will handle all the dolphin stuff. Um, I'll share you a, a text I got from my 77 year old father who was at the game. Who's had season tickets for 54 years. He said, this is the worst loss I've ever seen in my dolphins life. Like I've never been to a game and seen a worse loss than that. He did not have the fortunate stuff to go with me to the Jacksonville game, 62 to seven that ended Marino's career that we'll never talk about ever again. But put that in perspective, 54 years of going to dolphin games. And that's the worst loss he's ever seen. There might be some recency bias there. Certainly it's a terrible, terrible loss. Um, losing three straight to end the Adam Gase era and miss the playoffs. Those were some horrendous losses. I think they had a chance in the Philbin era. If they just beat the God awful Jaguars, they would have gone to the playoffs at home. They choked away that game, I believe. Uh, there are some definitely bad ones, but with what was at stake and how they lost, um, this is this has got to be near the top. Certainly, without question, it's the worst loss of the Mike McDaniel era. Sure. Um, 
and, and, and it's not just like, okay, you can blame one thing. I, I wrote about this morning. Uh, you can read it on Pro Football Network. You can put a lot of blame on the shoulders of Kater Kovu. Um, he, in those last two drives, was completely lost. Um, I went through it. Uh, he had a pick that would have ended the game, glance off his hands. It would have been a tough play. He had to readjust. It was a Levis's arm was hit and the ball fluttered, but he could have he could have ended the game right there before and and and, and preserve the cover for me. You know, not not for nothing. But uh, that was one significant play he missed um, on the touchdown. He let uh, first touchdown. He let DeAndre Hopkins shake free uh, when Levis was was getting out of a contain. Uh, he got picked on the two point conversion. And then I think the most egregious was um, the 36 yard catch and run that some people put on Jalen Ramsey. That was not Ramsey's fault. Ramsey had uh, outside contain outside leverage uh, he forced obviously Hopkins back into the inside. He was expecting underneath help. Kohu bit on one of the deeper routes and the field just completely opened up. So if you're going to play prevent defense, if you're going to play zone defense, uh, to, to reserve a lead and not try to, you know, heat up the, the, the opposing quarterback, you can't have breakdowns like that. So um, Kohu, I think, is an easy scapegoat, but he is far from the only one. You just go back and think of all the things that went wrong in that game, the blocked field goal, uh, the botched snap, uh, for, uh, whether it's first and goal, second and goal, whatever it was, down mm-hmm. on the goal line um, that took, at, at the very least, three points off the, the board, maybe seven in a one-point game. That was decisive. Um, you know, just just a list of things that went sideways. Uh, really bad. You can question some of the coaching decisions, the calls that uh, not only Vic made, but the calls that McDaniel made as well. Um, their goal-to-goal offense, they had five drives inside the five. They got 20 points out of it. That is about as bad as it gets. Um not having Tyreek on the field for the beginning of that final drive was a little weird, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if he called a dump off uh, to, 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 to HN uh, on that third down play that set up the, the scramble fourth down that was that ended in a sack, just so many different places where one thing you do one thing and the game is completely different. All that crap went against the dolphins uh, on Monday night. Uh, and it made for a really, really bad loss. It did, and you mentioned Cohort, and, and he, he had a couple of good plays in the first quarter, hitting the quarterback a couple of times. He thought he was going to have a good game. He's an easy scapegoat while how he played in those last two drives, but you, you mentioned the mistakes. It was literally across the board. I, I, I remember McDaniel saying something after the game in this presser that you had in your article on PFN that it was a total team loss like it, it, across the board. The offense did not have a drive longer than 10 yards that ended in a touchdown. Um, you mentioned the fumble, you mentioned, uh, you, I mean, we, we haven't even gotten to the fact that the Titans first touchdowns because, you know, all pro Bradley Chubb spiked his helmet and gave them a first down and three points turned into seven points and it adds up, you know, we're in tons of group chats during the games and while we're working and covering it, it's, you know, you, you, you settled for three when you went, ran the ball right down the field of the two yard line and then went three straight passes in the end zone and settled for three, um, the, the, the Titans being given four points with, with, with the Bradley Chubb play, the way the defense played at the end, uh, the, you know, there was just, and even then you're down and the Titans didn't even, it could have been a surprise that 26 seconds was how long it took the Titans to take the lead. But you're like, you, you still left the Dolphins with a minute 50 to go. And you're like, that's playing. All you need is a field goal. Like name, by the way, field goal block in the, in the first half, another three points given away in a, in a one point loss. It, it, it's like, they didn't see this one coming in the avalanche cam really, really fast. 
you gave up two touchdowns in, in two minutes of action, and then you still had the ball with a minute and a half to go, but the mistakes didn't stop. You had the dump off that turned into not out of bounds when if you had gone, if A-chan had gone forward and gotten the first down, you could have been in a spike the ball situation instead of the clock running. Didn't seem like the plays got in there fast enough. They weren't urgent enough, and a team that statistically has the best offense in football only needed to get 50 yards to win the game, and they got eight. So, hmm. Like, it, it didn't even, like, they didn't run out of time. They ran out of downs because they didn't have, like, if you look at the last couple of drives, they scored the touchdown and go up 14. Tennessee goes down the field. You go three and out. And, yes, Tyreek wasn't on the field at the beginning of that drive. That was weird. Obviously, you're running the ball. But there's running the ball, and then there's Tyreek is on the sideline. We're obviously running the ball. Three and out, and then they went three and, four and out to end the game, and, it well, they, 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 they did have they did have a couple of first downs on the last drive. Things got kind of away from them, right. uh, I think, because look, pass protection stuck, and we're going to spend minutes talking about the offensive line going forward. Yep. Uh, Tua got hit in a way we haven't seen since last year. Uh, I think forty percent of his dropbacks were pressures. He had a season high five sacks. That last drive, he it collapsed on him, right? And this offense does not work if that pass protection doesn't hold up, particularly in the middle. Like if it, if, 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 if he has someone under his chin, the play's over. And, you know, we'll talk about the loss of Connor Williams, which is, I think one of the most significant injuries they've had in the entire season. Um, you know, but they still had a chance. And I think that, you know, they, where that last drive kind of went sideways was the weird Durham Smythe catch between his legs. And they, that gave them, a first down, but it was like eight yards and it took 35, 40 seconds off the clock because the officials had to figure out whether or not it was a catch. Um, it just, it, it would have been better off for them had he dropped that and it had been whatever it was, second along and third and long. And then you're able to settle yourselves and then you, you're, you're cooked up, you're, you're heated up. And, you know, the A-chan, the weird, weird get to the sideline, you know, one ref says he's out of bounds, and then three seconds later, the other guy comes rolling in and, and runs the clock. The Dolphins players, their back was to the refs, and they're trotting back to the line because they think that the clock has stopped because he got out of bounds. That was an unfortunate break as well. Yeah. Just so many things that if, th if that hadn't gone against them and they were able to settle themselves and call a real fourth down play, give their offensive lineman a breath, you know, let, you know, let Mike actually have, a, you know, 10 seconds to think. Maybe it's a different game as well. So, yeah, it was the perfect storm of crap, and some of it was in their control, some of it was not. Uh, but either way, it's inexcusable for a Vic Fangio defense to surrender a 14-point lead with four and a half minutes left at home. Um, it's got to be one of the worst, uh, one of the worst finishes he's had, and you know he's had a couple because he's been around for a while. Ironically, and, and we'll get into hard knocks in a minute. On hard knocks last night, they showed. Vic and McDaniel talking during practice and they were talking about how it, it you got to stop Derrick Henry. You got to stop Derrick Henry. Like you can't, you got to get three guys on him and the, the three MF stuff and all the stuff they talked about. And it's, that wasn't the problem. Like stopping Derrick Henry yeah. was not the problem. Like Derrick Henry didn't beat the Miami Dolphins. Like he played one play in the fourth quarter and that was the touchdown. Like he wasn't even in the game because it was, they were down 14. It was, it was the passing and you know, the Dolphins arguably have the biggest names in football in their secondary. And I understand they had some injuries and Elliot got hurt and, you know, you had guys bruised up and Howard left the game and came back. But with Howard Ramsey and those guys, like you wouldn't expect 
the Tennessee Titans of all offenses. Go look at their stats. They're horrific. They're in the, the bottom quarter of the league in every offensive category. And a rookie in Will Levis, like, it went right down the field. I mean, 26 seconds on the game-winning drive. That's inexcusable for that defense, especially with how many how much money they have spent on that defense. And yeah, you can go through and point to a million different plays that we have already mentioned in a one-point loss. But at the end of the day, the defense gave up two touchdowns in under four minutes. And the offense didn't score. I mean, the offense was held to two touchdowns that were 10 to 15-yard drives off of 10. If Tennessee doesn't botch those fumbles, where are the points? Like, no points. There was right. a, a touchdown drive. Well, yeah, one of their touchdowns came on a pick six. I mean, yeah, the the, the scoreboard doesn't look terrible. 27 points, good day at the office. No, you're you're absolutely right. It was was a bad day all the way around. Just a couple of, you know, quick things uh, on that secondary. Um, You know, I guess thankfully, unthankfully, they're seeing the AFC Offensive Player of the Week this week (laughs) Uh, in Zach Wilson. I think that's kind of a black swan event. I don't think he's going to come in and light up the Dolphins. He still is what he is. Maybe he's, he looks better than the quarterback production they got out of Tim Boyle the first time around. But I, I, I'm going to need to see a larger sample size out of Zach Wilson before I think that, hey, he's going to be a problem for them. But, you know, if you're looking for, hey, things could get a little scary, uh, Javon Holland has sprains in both MCLs, not one, but two. He has missed – he hasn't played since that first Jets game on Black Friday. Uh, he's optimistic, he said in the radio yesterday, that he's going to play this week. But um, I wouldn't say that's a, that's, a, that's a slam dunk. He practiced last week. Maybe the Dolphins feel like, hey, we, we babied him enough, right? We did as much as we could to, to prevent greater injury. But this is the most important game of the season. We'll get into that in a bit because no hyperbole. If they lose this game, there's a real chance they miss the playoffs, which is insane to say. This is their this this is second time in as many years they've had to beat the Jets to get in the playoffs. Right, last year they did it nine to seven or whatever the score was, something horrendous. Uh, we'll see how this year goes, but uh, that secondary is rough, man. It's yeah, you got the two corners on the outside, and they had their worst games. X had a rough game against Hopkins. One of those deep throws obviously should have been OPI, but regardless, on balance, Avian Howard wasn't great, but. You know, X and Ramsey weren't the big problems. The big problems were you were you had Kohu who was lost. And by the way, Kohu's pass rating against is 127 on the season. That's the sixth worst among any defensive player in the National Football League uh, with 10 or more starts. So he is one of the most victimized uh, down and down out players there is in the league. Um, but it's not like you can just say, okay, sub and Nick Needham, we're good uh, because you might need Nick Needham to play safety. Because what we saw uh, out of the combination of Brandon Jones, who Brandon Jones, fantastic fit in the Brian Flores defense, horrendous fit, horrendous fit uh, in the Vic Fangio defense. He can't really cover at all. And he plays out of control. Twice in as many weeks, he blasted his own teammate. And his production may have suffered because, you know, his hip was hurting all game because Brandon Jones and the third or fourth defensive player of the game or whatever, uh, got his own player hurt. Obviously, he nailed you know, Jerome Baker last week, and it's the reason Baker's on IR. So, um, and then it's Elijah Campbell at, at the other spot. Elliot has got a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. Short week. You, symptomatic concussed concussed players rarely come back in one one week. A short week is is a tall task. So you got to think 
okay, who are our safeties? It's all of a sudden this, this thing kind of gets a little messy and it gets a little frantic. And I don't want to say that's, you know, you know, a replay of last year when the team kind of fell apart from an injury standpoint, particularly a quarterback. Uh, but there are some parallels of how that December went and how this one could go if they don't win on Sunday. Yeah. And McDaniel hit on that two weeks ago on hard knocks, which was shown again in the preview to last night's is, you know, they were nine and they were eight and three, and then they lost five straight games. Let's not let that happen again. And then they went ahead and blew out Washington. And he said, it feels good to be nine and three and not to repeat it. And then you lose to Tennessee. And now you have the jets. And then you have the gauntlet at the end with Dallas Buffalo, um, in Baltimore. And it's like, you can see it. You don't want to see it after the Washington win. You figure that was the ghost of, of, of last year, but then everybody get. I mean, they had four injuries in the first possession of the game. And you're like, what is going on? And I do want to ask you about the injuries. Cause obviously the Holland one was unfortunate because it came out in the blowout. Like he, you know, whether he should be in the game or not in the game, you, you leave that up to the defense and coordinator and how much depth they have. But the game was over at that point when, when Holland got hurt. Uh, same thing with, with Phillips for that matter. Um, one more freak than the other, but the well, Dolphins, that, game was, that game was still very much in doubt when Phillips, Phillips got hurt. Phillips. Yeah. Right. But then after that, you're like, all right, maybe we should pull everybody. And then Holland got hurt late. Um, the Dolphins have, I mean, you've written about this. Others have written about it. And just get your opinion. Do they seem to be, they fall on the overly cautious side of injuries? Like whether A-Chan needed to miss four or five weeks with a sprain whether Hill could have been back in the game faster when he obviously was cleared and held him out for a little bit. And, you know, ACLs are ACLs for Connor Williams, but are they too cautious? Well, I don't think they were early in the year, but I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they've just been insanely unlucky but I mean, they've they've exhausted all their IR return um, spots, assuming that Baker is the last, the eighth, and final. Um, and their offensive line, they can only count on one starter next week, right? I mean, they're I I, I don't know I, I don't know if they have to have a closer look of how they prepare their players for the season, how they manage it in season. Uh, but it seems like every single year they just fall apart physically at the worst possible time. Uh, you, you go back all the way, and this this is three coaches ago, but uh, you go back to the Adam Gase here when, I mean, Bakari Rambo was in the secondary for that playoff game against the Steelers, and he was on the street, I think, before the Dolphins signed him. Um, the, every team deals with injuries, but I, you know, it's been particularly just crippling for the Dolphins. And and we, we look at that offensive line. Um, they announced Connor Williams this week out for the year with an ACL. I mean, obviously your, your heart goes out to the guy because he's in a contract year and he held out of the spring to in an attempt to avoid this very scenario where he's hurt going into his free agency offseason. On a personal matter, on a personal side, that's, that's, that's terrible to think for that guy. He, that injury probably cost him money. Um, but on a, you know, from a team standpoint, I don't think you can replace him. And, um, you know, I, I think the offense functions as crazy as it sounds. The offense functions better when Teron Armstead's off the field than when Connor Williams is off the field. Because the drop-off from Armstead uh, to Kendall Lamb, it's real. It's not like they're the same player. It's real. But it's nothing compared to how this offense looks 
with Liam Eikenberg snapping the ball to Tua Tungabailoa. They had a botch snap that that cost them at least three points in a one point game. Uh, he has been better at guard, uh, but he's going to be their center. I know they talked about you know maybe getting Lester Cotton some reps there or signing somebody. I mean it's it's eleven o'clock on a Wednesday. It's there's news that comes out later today about them adding a lineman. Sorry, this will be dated for you. But regardless, um, Liam, he's he's not he's not close to what Connor Williams is, right? I mean, I think that's the fair way to put it. And um, you saw holdings, botch snaps, sacks allowed. He had probably his worst game of the season. Now, they ran the ball great, by the way. They were able to run the ball very effectively, but their pass pro has just folded like a, like a cheap suit. And that was against a Titans front without Jeffrey Sims, okay? You get that Dolphins offensive line as currently constituted against the Jets front. I mean, that's not a great matchup for Miami at all. And then, you know, you know, down the stretch, the Cowboys front, the Ravens front, and then the Bills, I know they've had some injuries, but still they played some pretty good defense against the Chiefs in that, that game in week 14. Um, I – we might look back on, and again, this I'm not trying to wish this into existence. I'm just calling it how I see it. We might look back at that Week 14 loss to the Texans as 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 the game that that decided their season because obviously it's a long road now to get the one seed, and so you're going to play in road playoff games. You're going to have to win road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, and it cost them maybe the MVP of the offensive line. Um, and again, those Rabel teams are hard hit, right? Daniel talked about it last night on Hard Knocks about how how hard hitting they are. Um, it, it, the the cumulative injuries that they had going into the game, they could not afford the night that they had on Monday. And it's you know Tyreek. We even talked about Tyreek's ankle. Does he play? Uh, I think he's going to probably try to give it a go, but because of the magnitude of the game. But if they had one on Monday, they probably sit Tyreek. Is my guess. But knowing that they have to they have to beat the Jets. They're probably going to play him at eighty percent at best, and and you're not wrong about that about the impact there of Williams and you know everybody sees the stars they see the the skill players and within the first few minutes you, you had lost Xavier Howard you had lost Tyree Kill you had lost Jalen Waddle they all came back and it's you know you talk about those injuries and the broadcast talk about injuries and uh, the Dolphins have an offensive line down will be back after this commercial break and you're like yeah it's not Hill it's not Waddle it's not a name but Connor Williams is more important to what that offense is doing right now than, than a lot of the guys. And to, to have to potentially face a Jets team, albeit a not good Jets team, Jets are good on offense, on, on defense. And you could be missing Armstead. You could be missing Hunt. You could be missing – and you're missing Connor Yeah, Williams. Hunt, Hunt's not playing. I mean, right. I didn't just see him. Missing all three of them. Yeah, so, so, somebody told me they saw him in the locker room, and there's like a knot on the back of his leg. I mean, that, that, that dude's not playing. I mean, Armstead might, but he's not going to be 100% either. I mean, do you, I'm not saying it's panic time, but do you think about maybe, you know, if that, if, if, if the offense, the interior offensive line looks like it did uh, against the Titans early against the Jets, do you even do something crazy like throw Kendall Lamb inside? If, if Armstead plays, I mean, what, what, what do you do? Um, I, I think the broader conversation is this every team has to deal with some sort of adversity, right? Nothing for any team goes exactly to script. Uh, I mean, how many times has Patrick Mahomes gotten hurt in the playoffs and they still find a way to advance, right? So not, not every, 
Right, exactly. No, nothing is going to be perfect. However, um, the best teams and the best coaches find ways to rise to the occasion. And there is, at home, against a Jets team with zero to play for, we're going to find out a lot about this Miami Dolphins team in, in, in general and, and, and Mike McDaniel in particular, because um, this is the Dolphins are a feel good team, right? Mm-hmm. When things are fun, when they're upbeat, when they're wide open, they're as good as anybody in football. They can put up 70 points at home uh, against the, uh, the Broncos. They can put up 45 on the road against the commanders, just absolutely maul teams. However, how many look go back and look, how many games have the Dolphins won that they shouldn't have won in the last two years? And I would say the, the one that comes to mind, I mean, ironically enough, is that Baltimore game. They were down big on the road against a team that owns them. Like the Ravens historically have owned the Miami Dolphins, particularly in that building. Um, and and they came back and had a fantastic win, and they wouldn't have made the playoffs last year without it. But aside from that, what's McDaniel's signature moment as a coach? And I, you know, I am I am not ragging on Mike McDaniel here. I, I think he has been a breath of fresh air, a much needed change from Brian Flores. I think he's unlocked the best of Tua, um, and he's a blast to cover. I don't think we know the full story about Mike McDaniel yet. I don't think we know yet whether or not he can elevate a team like. Think about this is the ultimate comparison. It's unfair, but it's the ultimate comparison. When you had Brady and Belichick early on, and and they were just shocking teams by going on the road and beating the great show on turf and doing all these things, overachieving. And that's when you knew, hey man, this this coach is pretty special and this player is pretty special. Have you had that yet with Mike McDaniel? Maybe when they put up 70, but you also have to keep in mind. And people forget about this because of all the media attention and hard knocks and how much lovable he is. He's coached 31 NFL games. That's it. 31. He had 18 last year, 13 this year. That's all he's coached. So he still has a lot to learn. His game management has been better this year than last year, but they really haven't been in many close games. We have to worry about what Skylar Thompson getting the call on fourth down in a playoff game and getting a delay game. Like you haven't had to worry about that because they're winning 45 to 15 and they're winning 70 to 20. I got a text message after the touchdown that put the Texans, uh, the, the Titans ahead with still a minute and 40 something to go to a time. We got this. And I'm thinking to myself, they haven't been in this position. They haven't like you had the ball. They, you know what? They, one time this year, the Chargers game. That's it. One time. Week one. And you can count on a couple of fingers. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. They've been in that position two times this year, and they failed they against the Chiefs. They lost yeah, against they, the Chiefs. But yeah, they the, failed against the Chiefs. And that was more of a – they were down big, and they did rally back, but screwed it up at the end. But they have not been in the position – now, granted, not many teams have been in the position where you give up a 14-point lead in three minutes. It hadn't happened in 760 NFL games. But they have not been in that position where you're like, oh, who do you want – you know, the old comment, who do you want to have the ball with two minutes to go? And like. No one says Tua. No one says McDaniel. They need to figure that out because that's what the playoffs are going to be. We saw it last yeah. year against Buffalo. They got to figure it out. What goes well for this team off script? 
And you think about the Chiefs and you even think about the Bills and you think about these, you know, these really, really good teams, certainly the Ravens. Off script is oftentimes where those guys thrive, right? When when they get off schedule, when 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 things get a little messy, that's when the, the, the greatness comes out of those guys. Tua, he kind of he, he 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 doesn't come up on that list of who do you want to have the ball with two minutes left and no timeouts. And it's another story for why they only had one timeout left. We won't have all the time in the world to discuss all the moves that were made or the challenges and this and that. But they have not. They've either been blown out by Buffalo and eh, the Philadelphia game was closer than it appeared, but eh, it wasn't down. They did have down one possession late and two it through the pick, but you haven't had that. You saw the Chiefs game, and then all of a sudden you went from here's the other side of the coin. You had a six point lead with two and a half minutes to go. What did you do? You went three and yeah. out. You ran to the line two times, and uh, your protection broke down. Tua tried to scramble, and he couldn't get to the line of scrimmage. That's what you did. Can the Dolphins put away teams in the fourth quarter with a six-point lead in three minutes? See, I, I, think, I think McDaniel was so jacked up in the head that game because he totally mismanaged the early um, goal-to-goes. We saw that. It's pretty clear. Uh, and then he dedicated himself to the run because he knew the hell – he'd catch if he didn't try to run the football at the goal line with, by the way, the NFL's leader in touchdowns, Raheem Mostert. Um, and so I think he was on some levels like, hey, man, we run the ball good. I'm not even going to try to do anything crazy on that drive. And I think a first down play action throw would have been risky for sure, but nobody would have expected that. The Titans would not have expected on first and 10 on that that, you know, that, you, that drive you're talking about, they're up six. You, you give it a shot on first down. You do you, you do a safe play action bootleg throw for someone. You know you can scheme somebody wide open in that situation. Um, and then the game's completely different because the Titans have to use their first timeout. And uh, you're 10 yards, you're you know, potentially 10 yards closer to, to pushing them back. Um, and then they have to burn through all their timeouts and the two-minute warning for them, for you to run the full, you know, granted, when you let out a touchdown 26 seconds, that's kind of a moot point, but you know, th- there were, I-, I think the creativity evaporated uh, when the screws got tight a little bit. Uh, and I, and I think part of that is because he didn't trust his offensive line. And the only thing he trusted, and he didn't really trust his wide receivers either. We can have, we can spend 45 minutes on what he's done to Joe and Waddle, which is crazy that they've, they, you know, you look last year, that wasn't, that was a complete offense. It was a complete offense that took into a, a account. I mean, nobody has had more targets, catches, yards, and I believe touchdowns. Don't quote me on touchdowns, but the first three are absolutely true than Waddle since the start of the 2021 season. Um, even with Tyreek last year, they, they worked together. This is the Tyreek show, right? This, this offense is, Tua and Tyreek and Mostert and maybe A-Chan if he's going. Like, that is it for this offense. Um, You you would call it one-dimensional, but, like, two-player dimensional. And you've got Jalen freaking Waddle on your team. And you could point to four possessions that were arguably the four most important possessions, and they they ended in three total points. You had the first drive with everybody getting injured and Williams going down, and then you fumbled the snap. You had the first and goal with three pass plays that ended in zero points. 
and then you had the, the drive to run out the clock and the drive to try to rally, and you pick those four drives combined, you get three total points. And those were drives the, the Dolphins needed to either get a first down or score mud in a field goal. And I think McDaniel had it backwards. You have first and goal. Teams aren't necessarily focusing totally on the run because you got Hill and you got Wallow and you got guys that can make plays in the end zone. And he throws the ball three times against coverage that was designed to stop those guys. Then you need to run out the clock and Tennessee's going to put nine, 10, 11 guys in the box. Tyreek Hill's on the sideline. Everybody in the world knows you're running the ball. Then you're not going to be able to run the ball when you could have ran it at the goal line when they're kind of sitting back. So I think he had it backwards. And if I were to look at the 7,000 text messages I got Monday night, half of them were about McDaniel's play call. Which, yeah, no, no, he, he, getting back to my earlier point, this is like, he has all the glow up, right? I mean, he, yeah. Hard Knocks is basically a showcase for Mike McDaniel. Uh, he's beloved locally. He is beloved by the national media. He is so much fun. There's got to be some stake behind the sizzle, and this is the time, right? This is the time. He, he told it to his team. He challenged them. It's time to challenge McDaniel, too. And, Vic Fangio, for that matter, the highest paid, I'm sure, defensive coordinator in all of football, and you put that on tape. This is crazy to say, but if they have another collapse here, 2024 is a make or break year for Mike Daniel because you've given the guy all the tools in the toolbox, like everything you could ask for. Uh, And if you keep coming up short, no matter how many times you make a clap in a press conference, your your results are your results. So, you know, I I, I think they got that's why the NFL cyclical, like three days ago, I used a free bet on Mike McDaniel to be coach of the year because Titans, the Texans lost with, with D'Amico Ryans and um, everyone's love for coach of the year. Dan Campbell lost with the lions again. And so their stock dropped. I'm like, oh, the dolphins went out to the one seed. McDaniel, you talk about a waste of money or free <laughs> bet. like it, now we're talking potential hot seat next year. And it's like, well, Mike McDaniel just eliminated himself from the coach of the year balloting. And you could have run that story like you did the RIP to Tua's MVP, like in one game, a game against the Tennessee Titans that like nobody saw coming. It's hard to explain how damaging that loss was. And, 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 you know, what the real world implications are is now you've got to steal one against the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Like, if you want to get the one seed, you've got to beat the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, are just drilling teams right now. Like, they are. They and the Niners are playing better than any teams in the National Football League. They're coming here on Christmas Eve. Oh, by the way, after you play one of your biggest rivals in a game that they're going to throw the entire kitchen sink at you. Yep. So, uh, we're, we're, you know, we, we could talk about this all day. A couple of things before we move on to the Jets. Uh, you know what this offense really needs, my friend? A tight end. And we saw it coming. We wrote about it all offseason. They were determined to go into the year without Mike Kosicki, who, by the way, he has not had a good year in New England. Let's not kid ourselves. But they thought Durham Smythe would give them enough. Guy's got 20 catches in 13 games. You know who's out there? A guy's caught a lot of a guy's caught a lot of touchdown passes. And you know, I think Ian Rappaport two days ago reported that he's narrowed his list of teams down to six. Sounds like the, the Dolphins may be in the mix. Think about all these things we talked about, red zone failures, being able to beat an eight or nine man front, all these things you're talking about. 
an over-the-middle tight end would completely revolutionize this offense, assuming McDaniel would use them, which is a different conversation. But having that threat would – the threat alone would change things up in a huge way. The production would – they you have Zach Ertz, you probably win on Monday night. You probably win because you you certainly have a better options in the red zone. You have better options on third down. All these things – like they, third and fourth down, they were – Three, I think, no, they were four of 14 in third and fourth downs combined um, against the Titans. Yeah, third down is the money time for tight ends, right? You, you need six yards, we'll get you seven. I mean, that's that, that to me, beyond needing a center, which is obviously, you know, as apparent as, you know, it, it does seem odd that all of the in season moves have been to help the defense so far. And we knew at the trade deadline, the offensive line, Connor Williams was back. But Armstead, week to week to week, Hunt was injured. You had your podcast with Infante, that that trade deadline one, where why won't they go get an offensive lineman? Now you just lost your center. Yeah. You went and go sign Melvin Ingram. One, they did, they, I mean, they, in their defense, they did trade for Chase Claypool, and that guy's been nothing for them. I mean, he's not is sure wide them. receivers where the Dolphins need any help right now. As long as they stay healthy, they have two of the best in the league. And, I mean, even Cedric Wilson and 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 Berrios had decent games while Hill was off the field. Not the same as Hill, but you you, you gotta you gotta get some help. You gotta get tight end Zach Ertz. Like the minute we heard that he was looking to come back, we all thought the same thing. Is there any reason why the Dolphins wouldn't do that? Uh, well, they they think he's got nothing left. Maybe. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, this. If you don't think the guy can help you from just an age standpoint, I understand. Um, but he's better than, I mean, Tyler Crofts of the world for sure. Yes. He's not going to, he's not going to be a 65, 70 snap guy for you, but he can use you 20, 25, 30 in a way that you don't have. Red zone, short yardage. If McDaniel's truly not going to run the ball at the goal line, throw a tight end out there, let him run around back there. So, all right, before we get out of here, uh, how scared are you for this week? More scared now than I was a week ago. Um, you lose Connor Williams against that Jets front. Um, I had started writing the betting column, the picks column for the week, and I left the Dolphins-Jets game blank last night. One, I was tired, and two, I said I'd save it for today. I didn't know which way I was going to go. The Dolphins are laying eight and a half, nine points. That's a big number compared to considering how they've looked on offense, man. That's a big number. Like, between the Jets' defense and now the Dolphins' offense, which – looks different without Connor Williams and an 80% Tyreek Hill. I mean, the way to go is the under, quite frankly. I don't bet many Dolphins unders, but they didn't exactly blow up against the Jets last time on offense. They didn't go nuts. Tyreek, uh, Ty- two already had pick six. Well, what they, what they did really, really well, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it, is they ran the ball. They ran the ball really well against that Jets. Defense. They did. So now – can you do that with a makeshift offensive line? Can you have McDaniel commit to the run? The Jets are not going to score. You're not going to see the Jets score two touchdowns in two and a half minutes like the like the Titans. And the Jets didn't score against the Dolphins three weeks ago. They, they had a pick six, and then they had a, a oh, score in the game. Like, the they scored the game against the third-string defense. Reigning AFC Offensive Player of the Week, just a slander on this show. Zach. Every squirrel finds a nut. There's a reason why they had to beg Zach Wilson to play potentially all those rumors out there. Like we saw what the Dolphins did to the Jets offense three weeks ago. Yes. You had Jalen Phillips for half the game. You had Holland for three quarters of the game. They're a little bit beat up. You don't have Jerome Baker. 
there's going to be issues, but I mean, the, the Jets had zero offense until there was two minutes to go in that game. And they scored that, you know, that late touchdown. I, I, I just hope the Dolphins can move the ball. Like, and there was a, we, we talked about Connor Williams. Look no further than that first drive. The Dolphins went right down the field, two ahead all the time in the world. Went right down the field. He gets injured. They stalled. Then they fumbled because they had a different center. They had no offense. Tyreek Hill got hurt. The Dolphin offense did nothing against the Titans outside of that first drive of the game. Nothing. So, without the offense, that that's a tough one. Uh, I still I still think the Dolphins win because the Jets' offense is that bad. No, I'm not. Keep in mind, AFC reigning player of the week. That team had zero at halftime. They had zero. They scored 24 points in the second half. Actually, the last quarter and a half, I know, because I, I had the Jets team total under and thought it was Lock City. It was 0-0 with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. So, all due respect to Zach Wilson, that just might be the rest of the AFC was that bad this past week. So, congratulations on your your banner, your trophy. Yeah, I... I, I... I'm I'm with you. I'm a lot more nervous about this game than I would have been seven yep. days ago. Uh, there's also this. Okay, Dolphins played as bad as humanly possible, and they lost by one point. They, I mean, they played as bad as humanly possible, and on, on all sides of the ball, all sides of the ball. All Pass sides. rush is going to be better, right? You are not going to. I think where they have one sack in that game, you're yep. not going to have that again. The pass rush is going to heat up Zach Wilson in a way that they couldn't get from Will Levis. Uh, I think there's a big bounce back game from X and, and Jalen Ramsey. We'll see what they do with the other three uh, DB spots. Uh, and I think they're going to, you know, the offense is going to be concerned because of all the points that you laid out. I completely agree. Um, but I, I, I just think that they're too good to be worried about making the playoffs in this AFC. They're just too good. Yeah. And, and, and I'm you, not, yeah, just you're 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 gonna have gut check games, and this is a gut check game for the Dolphins. And I'm betting that they have enough collectively coaching, talent, home field advantage to get it done. I don't like or think that we would be having or thought that we'd be having this conversation about it. Considering a week ago we were outlining all the magical paths they had to the the one seed and. Even you and I talking at you know, 3.30, 3.45 on Sunday when the Ravens are losing and the Jags are losing and the Dolphins have the Titans, hello, one seed. And now we're 72 hours later, we're talking, can you see that other path? Can, can you see losing to the Jets? Now you enter panic mode against the Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Is nine wins enough? You don't want to think that. The Dolphins also are four wins away from the one seed in Super Bowl going through Miami. They're still they're still four wins away from the one seed. I mean, that's the thing that hasn't changed. If they win four games, they're the one seed of the AFC. It's just those four games are a lot harder to envision now than they were. Right, yeah. and we're talking 12, 13, 14 wins road through Miami. They're the one seed. Don't worry about the Ravens come back. They're not that good. They almost lost to the Rams. Lawrence is injured. Chiefs look like crap. Dolphins are going to win the AFC. And then Monday happened, and it's still there. It is still there. McDaniel said it on Hard Knocks, like it's still there. And you you mentioned it earlier. You don't know if this coach, if this quarterback, if this team can step up the way they need to step. We haven't seen it. And for many of the listeners and your coverage and my fandom for 40 some odd years, 
We've seen the other side. We saw it last year. <laughs> We've seen it 20 other times. We saw it with Marino. This team has collapsed many, many times over the last 40 years. And everything's roses Sunday. And all of a sudden, we're sitting here on Wednesday saying, what if? We've seen it. Like, can I see it? I've absolutely, I've lived it. My, my cousin called it the, the ex-girlfriend that you, you just keep going back to. <laughs> both, both, both costly to your wallet and your soul. So um, <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, uh, it's Hanukkah, right? And Christmas is right around the corner. It is. It is Hanukkah right now, yeah. night, night seven, I think, coming up. You got any last minute shopping you need to do, David? Last minute shopping I need to do? Well, how about our listeners? If they need yeah, to do I mean, if you, I do. If, if you go to the, the it's, I mean, it's a hell of a tee up. It, it is PFN Merchandise Store is now open. Uh-huh. And just in time for the holiday season, visit PFNMerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Whether it is that ex girlfriend or current wife or, 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 or kids, go to the PFNMerch.com and since you reminded me of that, not so subtly, um, also go to sign up for ESPN Bet. Uh, put in the promo code PFN. At, go download ESPN Bet promo code PFN. Wager ten dollars, just ten dollars. Maybe I'll send it to you, and you get two hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets. I know a lot of listeners in Florida like what's ESPN Bet. It doesn't exist there, but in legal states that have ESPN Bet, promo code PFN, you'll get two hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets. You can't get that offer anywhere else. Promo code PFN. But that for a sales job. Good job. You would have totally forgot if not for. Absolutely. 100%. I even have it up on my screen. Do you need to go shopping? Shoot. Do I? My wife's birthday also coming up all at once. So, so Behrman, if if they come out this weekend and absolutely drill the Jets, uh, I don't know if we can have Infante back. I am 2-0 on the pod this year. 2-0. Thank you. Yeah. You go to 3-0. I mean, so think about the math. 6-4 without you, 3-0 with you. What would it be? No, they're nine four. Yeah, yeah, they they would get to seven. We doubled yeah. up. We doubled seven, up. We know what I'm talking about. We're better with you than without you. That's what I'm getting. I might have to clear my Tuesday slate moving forward. All right. Well, uh, nervous time. Fun week. What's this your is, prediction? This is what football is all about. And uh, what's your score prediction? Jet score prediction. Go. Oh, uh, twenty-one ten Dolphins. I could see them. I could see them getting a non-offensive touchdown because they do it every week, <laughs> and uh, them really bottom up that that Jets offense. I, I I I still think they win. I wouldn't lay the points because, come on, but I I I, I think the number is pretty good. I'll go. Uh, I'll go twenty four eleven. I'm now into this throwing weird numbers out there because people. I'll just hashtag analytics. People do weird things like go for two down. 14 and it works. No, no, no. It's going to be three field goals and a safety. That's how they're going to get their 11. Might happen. Might happen. Or, you know, or a team down 10 could score and go for two because that's what the Jags did a few days ago. And I haven't figured that one out yet, but. Oh, I come on. I don't have to explain that to you. Do I? No. no. Okay. I just like making fun of it. All right. I'm also bitter. The fact that I said going for two down 14 was, was crazy. And it won the game for Gray Bull in Tennessee. And I got a bunch of, that's why you go for two down 14. I'm like, well, it's great when it works. We'll get into this another time. We've long we've run very long, and I can't explain Matthew forty eight minutes into a podcast. I love you too. Goodbye.